The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess, and I am joined today by Jane. Hi, Jane. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So Jane is going to tell us a little bit about her background with mental health, and um, she has some really fantastic things that she does to help manage her symptoms and uh, make her more resilient. So Jane, you are welcome to start off your story wherever you would like. Well, thank you. Well, it was approximately in the early 70s when I had my journey into mental health. I was um, a crime victim and I was experiencing PTSD. However, in that era, they had no victim's assistance and no diagnosis for PTSD, so I didn't know what it was. What it was. So I was experiencing nightmares, night after night, reliving the scenario. So finally, I decided it was time to do something because I couldn't live like this. So I checked myself into a hospital, and they kept me six months. And it was suggested that I get electroshock, and I told them, no, thank you. And I was given uh, pharmacology. I was given um, psychiatric and psychological sessions, psychodrama. Also, we had physical ed, so to speak. We had art therapy. And it was, uh, it was challenging because I had never been in a situation like that, but I knew this was going to help me. So uh, within about six months, I was released, and I attempted to go back to work. Well, I found that my medications were leveling off, and my mental health was relapsing. So I had to find more psychiatric help. I had experienced a, a lot of relapses where I was on 72-hour hold. I put myself on that. I checked myself in the hospital. And as a result of that, I tried to live a so-called normal life, but I didn't have any coping skills. I was never taught any as a child either. So anytime a crisis or imagined crisis would come up, I would run from it. I would quit a job. I we make decisions based on fear, including being married more than once. And in the past, I didn't know that those decisions were being made based on fear and terror, being alone and being hurt and being killed. So I started journaling and also writing poems and also making songs. And these were good coping skills because I learned to see patterns in my behavior. Along the way, I also learned to go online and look at apps that were for cognitive behavior therapy and dialectic behavior therapy. I also introduced myself to binaural beats, nature sounds, hypnosis, prayer, meditation. I also started doing artwork and doing crafts and in between all those times with my mental relapses and my interesting choices of being married I still didn't know who I was I still felt lost I still felt lonely 
I still felt helpless. And I just continued to search. And I have um, a nature of being a researcher. So when I don't know something, I, I dive right in there and research. I go online. I go to the library. I go to books. I talk to other people. And as a result of that, I was talking to my psychiatrist the other day, and he said, you would be a good peer support person. And I was happy to hear him say that because I told him, I said, I've been doing that since 2012. He said, well, then you would be good at a certain place, and they would be happy to train you. And also, um, one of the incidents that triggered my PTSD was I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2012. What was it like for you going through cancer treatment? Well, I when I first got the news, I was not too happy about it. However, I knew something was wrong, and it kind of answered some questions. So I, after I shed a few tears, I decided, how are we going to fight this? And when I was talking to my oncologist, he wanted to give me chemo. Well, first they had to do, they call it cut, um, poison, and burn. <laughs> but that's oh just short for a surgery, um, chemo, and radiation. <laughs> Wow, okay. So, yes. So um, so they had to go in and they had to take a, a golf ball-sized tumor out of my uh, my chest cavity next to my superior vena cava, next to my heart. They took that out. And they staged it with stage two. That means I had Hodgkin's lymphoma neck and chest. And then they decided to want to do the chemotherapy, and that's ABVD, uh, adriamycin, Leomycin, Vinblastin, and Doxorubin, very poisonous. So that's the, the that was the chemical treatment, right? Chemo. That was the recipe they had for me because okay. it could be individual depending on what type you have. And they wanted to do radiation. I said no, thank you. So uh, to my oncologist disagreement, he just said, "Okay, what well, you're going to have to get more chemo." And I said, "We'll see about that." So. <laughs> <laughs> So I decided from that point on to be positive, no matter how I felt, no matter how it looked, just to keep a positive mindset because I knew I it was a big battle ahead of me. So every day I got up, I got dressed. Also, I shaved my head before I started chemo because I didn't want to wake up with it on a pillow. And so I would get up, get dressed, and put on makeup, bald, and go into my um, social site smiling. No, it didn't matter if I was in pain or not, smile, because I didn't want other people to be afraid of cancer. So I, I had one picture where I was laughing, and I, I tied it laughing at cancer. And so um, I was able to do that every day because I felt like it, it could reach somebody that might be afraid of cancer. Maybe they just got a diagnosis, or maybe that they think they might have it, and they just don't know where to go or, or what to do. So I made it a point as I found resources online and everywhere else libraries I would share those resources every day and I would share my experience in a only positive note I would cheer up other people I would encourage other people I would um, just let them know that you know here's somebody here that is going through it or you know I'm here for you and that helped me take my mind off of me I also decided to change my major from dental assisting to psychology, which helped a lot because the psychology was working on the mind part that I needed to. I also decided that 
whatever little trivial things that were bothering me in the past didn't matter anymore. So I let it go. I got a little book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it had a workbook. So to me, everything was small after that. Any grudges, whether I was right or wrong, none of that. It just went away. I forgave myself. I forgave other people. I decided I was going to just, it's going to be a bright future, and it's just a matter of time. And I um, use alternate health. And um, I had a few near-death experiences, which didn't scare me. As I used to joke, I said, it's living is the hard part, not dying. So uh, I was never suicidal while I was on uh, going through chemo. I was in a lot of pain. There were days where I had thoughts of death only. Like, if I go today, if I go right now, that's just fine because I'm hurting so badly. And I, um, some people say that the cancer is maybe worse than having a mental health issue. I'm going to say from my own personal issue that going through the mental health has been easier. I know that sounds ironic than going through cancer. But my reason is this, because the cancer was one thing. It was palpable. It was something I knew that I had to fight. I could see it. I could feel it. With the mental health, you never know. You never know from one day to the next from moment to moment and with that you have to have your your skills your coping skills and your support group and whatever else you need when those moments arise so it's, it's an ongoing thing and nothing to be discouraged about but you know what if you do just get back on that horse and tomorrow's another day and since I did have the cancer I look at each day as a gift and I wrote a song um, expressing that and I call it blessed, you know. And one of the verses in my song is, each day is a gift that can't be missed, so be thankful. So, and I share that song a lot of times. I've shared it in the hospital. I've shared it in the cab. Um, shared it online. So it's, uh, been, it's been helpful uh, to other people. So. so you are in remission, or what? what's your status right now? Well, I have been clear for seven years now so it depends on what school of thought you're from some people say I even heard a doctor say healed and I'm like I thought you couldn't say that word you know (laughs) cured he said oh no you're cured so um, I was told by my oncologist it was kind of ironic he said you have the good cancer and I said excuse me (laughs) he said well the highly curable I said well say that because it's no good cancer so uh, (laughs) I I understood what he's saying so but um you know, some say remission, some say healed, some say cured. So I guess it's just all a matter what, what you what works for you. I say, for me, I say, well, you know, the doctors treated me, but God healed me, so that's my thing. But um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it, I'm gonna say 90% of it is up to you. You know, regardless of how the treatment is, because if you if you decide in your mind that you're not gonna make it, well, guess what? So <laughs> you have to make up your mind that you're gonna get through it, and you will get through it. So. That's that's the real medicine. I've heard people describe before just thinking about getting cancer and like, oh, my God, my, my whole life would stop. What would that be like? You know how and like you said earlier, life keeps going. Well, you know, I've met a lot of patients that have had stage four and, and, and more and they're alive now before years ago. You know, you get used to see where it is all over. You just pack it all in. But nowadays there's always so many new treatments, clinical trials and things that are coming out that gives a person hope. So 
the, the, the best thing, like what's it Winston Churchill said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. So you got to get that fear out. You can't, you can't live like that. And it'll carry over into every part of your life, too. It's not just compartmentalized. So the cancer's going now. Uh, guess what? you got to battle after cancer, too, because of side effects that can last for years and even a lifetime. And you have to decide, well, I don't have cancer. I'm still here. So I don't have to like it, but I can adapt. What was it like going into those appointments after after they said, you know, we're, we're discontinuing treatment? Well, the checkups were, you get the survivor's guilt because you're going past other patients that are still sick. And, you know, you wonder why why them and why you and not them. And, you know, you feel bad for them. And, but you also feel encouraged because they're still fighting. I, I was, I encountered one patient. She had gone through s- several different types of cancer. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't even have words to say how, I could do that, you know, it's just, I couldn't, I don't know. So she was, she was a strong person and uh, she gave me encouragement that day. And, and we, you know, you hug each other and you're like, I'm glad we're still here, you know, things like that. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to put into words. Can you think of anything else about your experiences with cancer or the treatment or even after cancer that um, come to mind? Well, for me, when I went into treatment, I decided to make that a positive experience too. So I would go in and I try to talk to some patients who want to talk. And sometimes everybody's in their own little uh, way they adjust. And but I would try to talk to somebody and uh, just be cheerful. And sometimes I would bring in some crafts I've made and I share them, give them away, and things like that. So um, and I I learned to develop a rapport with my my chemo nurses. I call them my chemo angels. And I definitely, I mean, I've always had tried to have a sense of humor about life. I laugh at myself. One day I was in chemo and I got up to walk across the room to get a snack and I forgot that the infusion, the IV was hooked up in my port. And I snatched it out and infusion is going everywhere. The, and then the, my nurse is like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I thought I was getting a snack. And he said, go sit down, I'll get it for you. So I was laughing about it. He said, don't feel bad. We've had patients get up and walk out with it attached to them to their car because you're out of it when you're going through that. So you don't think about those things. But I was, I could laugh about that. And then I also, I enjoyed a song. They played the pipe in music. And it was funny that one of the songs they played a lot of times was, was I'm a Survivor. I said, okay, that's appropriate, you know, like that. So it was, uh, it, I, w- I don't want to say it was fun, <laughs> but <laughs> parts of it were fun because the people there who uh, did the treatment and everything, they made you feel really loved. And I even had a volunteer person write me uh, little cards. They call chemo angels, and they send you cards, you know, just to say. And we never talked about cancer. They just talked about their lives and what's going on and saved every card they sent me. That's really cool. What were some differences you noticed between um, the medical treatment you got for cancer and your mental health treatment experiences? Well, with the medical, it was predictable. I knew every day I had to go get infusion, and I knew about the side effects, and sometimes I had to get more medicine for that. And I knew about that it wasn't 100% that I was going to. They couldn't say, come get your cure. They said, come and get your treatment. So I, I didn't look at it as treatment. I looked at it as every day is a step getting closer to not having cancer. And that made it, um, I guess you could say, help me to be more 
to cope with the situation because it was just, I had tunnel vision. It's just one thing. Only thing that mattered was kill cancer, kill cancer, you know, get rid of this cancer. And the rest of my life, it, everything that was just, I wouldn't even say took the back burner. It didn't exist. Only thing that existed was my getting, getting rid of the cancer. That was my dragon. That was my enemy that I had to slay. And I, you know, I just rolled up my sleeves and said, okay, let's do this. In fact, I, when my doctor told me a diagnosis, I said, all right, how are we going to, what's the game plan? How are we going to fight this? So, and he and I did not agree. That happens sometimes with, with treatment. You might not agree on everything. And guess what? That's up to you. Some people agree to not have treatment. That's up to you also. I mean, uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong, uh, except one thing I don't agree with um, euthanasia, that part is out for me but if you decide not to have traditional treatment you want to use something non-traditional people have done that too and it's no right or wrong it's up you know it's up to your life it's it's your call so but um to try the best thing is don't be negative not just about the cancer don't be negative period because that will suppress your immune system and, and being angry is okay if it's a constructive angry, but don't stay angry because that, guess what? That suppresses your immune system. So it's almost like you have this outcome. So you can say, you know, it, it's in my best interest right now to use these coping skills and to get through this because I need my strong immune system. I need to be able to cope with tomorrow's infusion. Um, mental health is not like that. No, I mean, you can get up in the morning and decide, you know, this is going to be a great day. And that's a good attitude. But just in case, you know, something happens, you, then you have to ask yourself, okay, this just happened now. Now, am I going to let that color my day? Or am I going to just figure out what to do from here? I wrote one poem and I said, I, in my poem, I said, I'm a box of crayons and I color my life happy. So I write like this. So, so it's just, like I said, it's up to you. What were some differences in care that you noticed between medical and mental health? Well, with the medical, both they can give you pharmacology, but both do not give you the mental health. I mean, there are some programs that try to incorporate counseling now, but with some insurance companies, you do not get counseling and you do not get aftercare. I got no aftercare. I, it was just like, I got a pat on the head. You're in remission. Yay. See you. And I'm like, okay, my whole life has changed. What am I supposed to do now? I'm not the same person. There's no way I can be the same person I was. So I just developed my own aftercare program. I took a music class. I took guitar. I took yoga. I took a writing class. Uh, you know, things like that. I just developed my own aftercare, and it helped. But, um, you know, that that changes, too, through through time. How often were you getting cancer treatment? Was it every day? It was every day. For how long? Well, I was supposed to get eight rounds of chemo. But I believe because of what we just talked about, those skills, um, it shortened my chemo. I only got six. And then when I went for my first uh, checkup, I was told I was already at 80% remission. So I'm like, yes. So to this day, um, I ate a lot of kale, and I hate kale now. The only <laughs> way you can get me to have kale is in a, in a juice drink or something like that. So there are some things you, you develop an adversity toward because the chemo makes your taste buds weird. 
like blueberries can taste like dirt. Chocolate tastes weird. I mean, just things. And sometimes when you when you get through with the treatment, you'll go back to eating those things. And sometimes you say, no way, I don't ever want to eat those things again. So side effects of the chemo cause your blood count to be dangerously low. I think it's the white count that makes you immune, you know, system. Like I would go to the movies with a mask on, mm-hmm. things like that. I didn't let it stop me. I just was cautious. And I would, um, I noticed for me, I made sure I didn't eat a lot of sugar because sugar can cons- uh, suppress the immune system. So I cheated a little, but I didn't go crazy. So um, like I said, it's just, it's all a mindset. Now here in all of the things that you went through during your treatment, you had mentioned earlier that you feel like the cancer treatment was easier than the mental health treatment. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, for me, a physical um, ailment is different from mental because for my mental, it can be in many different directions at once. And with the physical, it's just that one thing that's just right there. And, you know, it, it takes all your attention, including your mental attention. And you have to decide mentally how you're going to fight it, that you're going to beat it, that you're not going to let it wear you out, and that you're going to take very good care of yourself so you can get through it because you know it's not going to stay. Now, with the mental health for me, uh, like I said, I've had that journey since the early 70s. And as I think back now, it probably started in my childhood because of things that were done too. Um, so, but some things I had blocked out. But then it's funny when you're going through a mental health journey, when you start talking about things, things will surface that you didn't know or that you blocked out. And yes, it's very difficult. When you go to a different counselor, you have to tell the same thing over and over again, and it's partially like you're living it over. When I was in the hospital, I was talking to the psychiatrist going way back to almost birth. I noticed I was shaking, and I was like, wow. I know I didn't haven't brought that up. I haven't thought about that in a long time, and I didn't think it would still affect me like it does now, you know. And why? And I'm going to have to work on that, or, you know, I guess it's good I got that out so I can work through it, you know, things like this, so... Um, that's the difference between the the health recovery and a mental health recovery. Uh, mental health co- recovery is just, um, I'm going to say it's just a life part of my life. And I, I, it's up to me to decide is it going to be a good part or a bad part or it's just, is it going to be lessened, you know. So I think, you know, as long as, there, as, long as you keep an attitude of uh, there's hope, there's always a way. And just because you don't see it, it doesn't mean it, you know. And I have um, one app that pops up and it says, just because you think something doesn't mean it is. And it seems to like, uh, sometimes it's reading my mind because I'll, I'll have some kind of reaction and it pops up and I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's true. You had mentioned um, survivor's guilt. Was there any other negative stuff you experienced after finishing cancer treatment? Well, I had side effects. Um, neuropathy, fibromyalgia, osteopenia, exacerbated CP, um, PTSD. Um, what about the letdown you were talking about? The letdown was, well, you know, when you're a patient, you get all this attention. Um, there are also a, a lot of resources that were out there helpful for me. The things like um, 
They help you with your bills. Um, there's one for younger people to help them get a car. There's one for younger people to get scholarships. It's, uh, it's uh, a lot of uh, good resources out there. And I, I did put those on my site as I came along with them. And they were very, very helpful. And also, too, it's helpful to share your story, your experience, and try to do it in a positive way. And you don't know. It might be one person out there that reads that story and they say, you know, I'm going to keep going, keep fighting this, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's helped you despite what you've been, the challenges that you've had since completing cancer treatment and since getting to this point in your mental health journey. Yes, it has. And there was some survivor's guilt. When you go to get your yearly checkup, you you know, you're walking through a, a room, waiting room with patients that are still of cancer, and you get to hear some really, really courageous stories. Uh, some people have fought several cancers, and so you feel like, wow, you know, we're still here. You hug each other and, you know, wish each other well. And we, jo- me, we have an inside joke with each other. We say, I hope I don't see you again, but that just means because we're healed, mm-hmm. not because anything else, and we laugh about it, so... Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You were just, you had a wealth of knowledge for us and I learned le- many new things from you. So I really it appreciate that. It's a pleasure. That. Thank you. Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamontine, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support. 